Kent Darcy is the founder and president of Adult Children of Divorce Ministries. He's committed to breaking the cycle of divorce among adults with divorced parents by helping them achieve healthy relationships with God, themselves, their spouses, and others. He received his master's degree in uh, counseling psychology from Moody Theological Seminary. He is a therapist at All Things Possible Wellness Center and Reconciliation Ministries. Last year, he published his first book, Choose a Better Path, Overcoming the Impact of Your Parents' Divorce. He and his wife, Kathy, have been married 36 years and have three grown children. He's written and spoken extensively on the continuing impact of parental divorce on adult children. And as our theme is family this year, this is a vital, very important uh, topic to be spoken on. And so would you please welcome Kent Darcy. I was thinking that if I was uh, sitting out here 15 or 20 years ago, and I heard what we were talking about, I, my reaction would have been, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, yeah, it's a hassle at times, but, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. That ship has sailed. But if your parents are divorced, let me run some questions by you. Do you have trouble trusting people? Are you secretly fearful that whatever situation or relationship you're in will suddenly fall apart? Do you dread or hate Thanksgiving and Christmas? Do loved ones and friends say that you have a problem with anger? Is the real reason you decided to live together or avoid serious relationships because you're afraid you can't do the marriage thing successfully? Do you often have, do you often fight thoughts of feeling worthless or inadequate? If any of these questions strike closer to home than you'd like to admit, then you're not alone. There's millions of adults with divorced parents who struggle with these issues. But before I get into the issues, let me kind of give you a little background on myself. My parents divorced when I was 13. Didn't really think it was a huge deal. I mean, up until that point, I'd had a white picket fence type life that revolved around my dad. I loved my dad, did everything with my dad. He was my hero. But when my parents got divorced, I went from seeing him all the time to three or four times a year. And my mother was put in the situation of becoming a single mom of two daughters and an angry teenage boy, me. Now, fast forward 20 years. I have a wife, three kids, and still have this anger thing going. So Kathy and I are at a marriage retreat. And at this retreat, God says, Kent, if you don't change, you are on the same emotional path as your dad. Now, I love my dad. We have a great relationship. But at that time, my father is an adult child of divorce from an adult child of divorce from an adult child of divorce, as I understand it. And when I received that message, he had already divorced twice and was heading towards his third marriage. And the Lord said that if I didn't do something, if I didn't take intentional steps to change the course, even though I absolutely didn't want a divorce, I was heading down a bad path. We've been married about 12 years at that point. I love Kathy, but we were struggling, and that scared me to death. So 
Shortly after that revelation, God led me to a book called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. It's by Judith Wallerstein, and Wallerstein is considered by many one of the experts on the impact of divorce on kids. But what really struck me was I saw myself in the book. It opened my eyes to the fact that even though it had occurred, you know, 20 years earlier, not only was my parents' divorce still impacting me, but there were millions of me out there who had no idea that they were still being impacted by issues from their parents' divorce. So I read and researched, researched, I'm a researcher by heart, and I interviewed authors and counselors, spoke with adults with broken homes, and in 2004, I presented my first all-day seminar, uh, basically, so I could share what I had learned. And that's why I'm here today. We're going to look at this issue because it affects about 40% of everybody you know. 40% in the workplace, 40% at the restaurant you're going to go to after the service, 40% of your bowling league, your neighbors, and 40% of the people in this room and in the church at large. Now, Kent, I know divorce is a hassle and it's not that great, but, but why do we need to talk about this? Well, I'll give you three quick reasons here. According to Nicholas Wolfinger, when an adult child of divorce marries from somebody from an intact family, the odds of the marriage failing increase up to 50%. When both the husband and wife are from broken homes, which happens a lot, by the way, because they're drawn to each other, they can empathize, they get it, they can understand, but they, neither of them have the template of how a marriage works. So when an adult child of divorce marries an adult child of divorce, the odds of the marriage failing increase up to 200% higher than two people from intact families. Now, the second reason this is important to talk about is, as Pastor Tim mentioned, at C3, this is the year of the family, and nothing is having a more detrimental effect on a family generationally. The third reason is C3, at C3, our purpose is to create disciples for Jesus Christ. There's a world of people out there, millions strong, who are hurting in this area and have no answers. What a great, great opportunity to minister to people. But it's, but it's tough to offer healing to others if we're hurting. The key verse of my ministry is 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. There we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I've received God's comfort, so I share. So others can receive God's comfort, and they can share, and so on, and the cycle of divorce can be broken. That's my passion, and that's why I'm here. So we're going to look at some issues, but... And this is really, really, really important. <laughs> Before I jump in, I need to make something clear. I am not going to teach on divorce, the theology of divorce, the right or wrong reasons for divorce. Uh, I mean, for example, there are people that were in abusive situations, and it, they had to make tough, tough decisions. Um, so if you're sitting out here and you're divorced or have parents, friends, or loved ones who are divorced, please hear me. I am not throwing stones. I'm not beating them up. My parents are divorced, and I love them. Ephesians 6, verse 2 says, honor your father and your mother. 
The position of my ministry is this. The divorce happened. What are the consequences for the kids when they grow up? And what steps can we take to minimize those consequences? We're on the same team. I mean, you don't want your kids to experience what you went through. I don't want your kids to experience what they went through. And they don't want to go through what you went through. So this is not about beating up parents or those who are divorced. It's about the cold, hard fact that in regards to adults with divorced parents, there is a problem out there that nobody's talking about. But thanks to the leadership here, we are. I also need to put up one last disclaimer, and this is also important. This is a bell curve. Um, a bell curve tells you what our average is. So if this was, say, weight, you'd have the average people are average weight. And on the left side, you have people that are thin. And on the right side, you have people that are thin challenged. <laughs> so most people are kind of in the center. That's the bulk. And some people lead towards thin, and some people lean towards thin challenged. Now, in the sake of divorce, on the left side, we have the divorces in the gray area that are, that are just so peaceful and the parents are so chummy-chummy, you kind of wonder why they divorced in the first place. And on the right side, we have the areas where you have neglect, abuse, addictions, and all that really heavy stuff. My ministry is in the center, and the things that we're going to talk about today are in the center of that. So as we look at the major issues, I want to keep in mind that I'm dealing in the center of the bell curve. That's where my ministry is. So the first issue we're going to touch on is anger. A lot of research says that this is the number one issue. Adults with divorced parents have ongoing, unresolved anger from the divorce that they were never able to deal with, never able to express constructively. Just a couple of reasons why they're angry, because we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to just kind of summarize. A couple of issues are loss. We lose friends, schools, routine, family members, standard of living. From the kid's perspective, our whole world falls apart. Another issue that causes anger is what I call the loyalty challenge. Basically, son, daughter, which one of us do you love the most? And for those of you from intact families, uh, let me show you, I'll give you an example what the loyalty challenge is like. Um, here's an example, true story. I used to, uh, my sister would fly in from, she lives on the West Coast, she would fly in every year. And because she came in once a year, everybody would come here. So my dad and my stepmom would come in. My mom and my sister would come in. We'd all be at the same house, which was always interesting. But at the time, I was leading worship. So on Sunday morning, I would have to go early to do rehearsal and all that sort of stuff. And this Sunday, I had done worship rehearsal, and I would go down, and I would sit, and then I would turn around and sit, you know, waiting for the service to start. And when it was time to come up on the platform, I came up, and I turned around, and this is what I saw. They'd filled an entire pew. My dad, my stepmom, my sister from the West Coast, my wife, my other sister, and my mom. My dad's on this side, my mom's on that side. Now here's the question. When worship is done, who do I sit next to? My mom or my dad? They're on opposite sides. I'm not going to climb over them in the middle of this thing. Now, if you're from an intact family, it's not a big deal who you sit next to. They're probably sitting together. But it's a big deal for us. And at the time, I was 50 years old, and I teach this stuff. But let's tweak it. You're 10 years old. You're playing clarinet at the band concert, and uh, you get done with the song, and the band teacher says, go out and sit with your parents. 
Your dad and his girlfriend are sitting over here, and your mom's sitting over here. Who do you sit with? And this is what's going through his brain. I want to sit with my mom. I want to sit with my dad. But if I sit with my dad, my mom's going to be upset because she doesn't like his girlfriend. And if I sit with my mom, then she's going to be upset because she doesn't want me to sit. If I sit with my dad, he d if I sit with my mom, then my dad's going to be upset because he, I never get to see him. Well, he wants me to like his girlfriend, but I don't really like my girlfriend. I like my mom. But if I sit with my mom, then it's a, and, and this kid's 10 years old. And the next day in class, someone grabs his pencil, and he goes, whack. And the teacher goes, well, why'd you do that? He says, I don't know. And the problem is, this boy grows up. And he still has anger. Oh, he'll get angry about something, and if you ask him why, he'll blame someone or something. But the truth be told, he still doesn't know what the answer is. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil a foothold. But as a group, People with divorced parents have a huge struggle with this because anger abounds and there's no constructive outlet. It's the number one issue. The next issues we're going to look at are all fear-related. And that's important because fear feeds anger, particularly in guys. And the first fear we're going to look at is the fear of being abandoned. Basically, we're kids, and we think, well, if mom left, dad can leave too. Or if dad left, mom can leave too. And at any time. Remember, in a lot of cases, the divorce announcement was a surprise to the kids. Most of us never forget that announcement. And fear of abandonment is always running under the surface. Fear of abandonment has a couple of interesting characteristics. It can make us either clingy or avoidant. Either when we're in a relationship, we hold on to the person and we squeeze the life out of them. Or... Just when a relationship starts to get good, really starts to gel, we break it off. Because it's safer to end a good relationship than take the risk of being abandoned. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. But if you're afraid of being abandoned, we'll say yes when we really should say no. And we'll say no when we really should say yes. At home in the workplace, at church, with friends. The fear of abandonment is powerful. And everything I'm talking about, again, is mostly under the radar. We're really not aware that this is going on, which makes it even more problematic. Thankfully, we're bringing these issues into the light now. So fear of abandonment is a big issue. The next one we're going to look at is the fear of doom. With the fear of doom, we often live as if the rug will be pulled out from under us at any moment. Again, we don't really know that this is going on. We don't know that this is how we're thinking and how we're living out our lives. But we believe things will fall apart at any moment. You know, there's kind of a, a cruel irony that when good parents, you know, are, their marriage is starting to fall apart, and they, they keep all the arguing and all this sort of stuff away from the kids. But in shielding the kids, you know, from the fighting and the name-calling and all that, the kids are more blindsided when the announcement comes. You know, it's amazing. I talk with a lot of people. It's amazing to me how many children of divorce had no idea the divorce was coming. Even if there was hostility, even if divorce was mentioned, we never thought our parents would do it. Maybe other families, but not ours. 
So the fear of doom causes us to go through life waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the situation to fall apart. And there's another aspect of the fear of doom that I found particularly interesting. Usually, with people from an intact family, uh, when things start to get good, you know, the job starts to hit stride and the family is good and the kids are behaving and money's coming in, we kind of relax. We go, ah. For people with divorced parents, when things get better, the fear of doom goes up. And had I not you know, researched this and experienced it myself and heard it from other adult children of divorce, I, I'd be like, well, what's the case with that? Why would the fear of doom go up when things get better? Because we have more to lose. If things are going to collapse like we expect them to, there's more to lose. And again, remember, a lot of this is subconscious. A lot of this, we're not aware this is going on. You know, I mentioned research Judith Wallerstein earlier, and she is the one that wrote about all sorts of divorce issues. And in the book, she mentioned a child called Karen. Well, she was an adult at this point. And Karen was interesting because she'd be the poster child for people that say, no, this divorce is no big deal. It's a bump in the road and all that. I mean, she was married, good husband, good life. You know, but this is what Wallerstein found. This is what she wrote. Karen was the first grown child of divorce who described that she lived with the fear that disaster was always waiting to strike without warning, especially when she was happy. If happiness increases one's odds of experiencing loss, think how dangerous it must be to simply feel happy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If abundant life is 0 to 10, we live between 4 and 7. We don't get too high because you're only going to be disappointed anyway. And we don't go too low because we fear if we actually get down there, we won't be able to get back up again. The fear of doom robs us of joy. We rarely relax. And we often become control freaks because we mistaken, mistakenly believe that if we can control everything, we can keep things from going wrong. Now, another fear that's common to people with divorced parents is the fear of divorce. Fear of divorce causes a number of things. Um, a lot of people just stay single. I saw some research, research this is years ago, um, I think it was one of the census, they said that 40% of the adult children of divorce never marry. It's 28% in intact families. And I thought, you know, that's crazy. That number is way too high. That's, that's just ridiculous. Six is, you know, 40%. I'm one of three. I have two younger sisters. Neither of them ever got married. So in my own family, it's 66%. And I experienced another example of the fear of marriage. I was at work one day, and I was working with a 17-year-old, and, and she was a child of divorce. And we were, I don't know what we were doing. I don't even know how marriage came up. We were talking about marriage, and she, out of the blue, says, I'm never going to get married. And I went, kind of caught me off guard, and I said, well, well, why? And we went back to doing whatever, and, and then she said, well, maybe I'll get married, but I'll never have kids. I said, you'd be a great mom. I mean, why? And this is what she said. If the marriage doesn't work out, I would never want my kids to suffer what I went through. Now, she's 17 years old, and she's heading into the marriage years, bridal books, weddings, all that sort of stuff, and this is her mindset. Will she get married? And I'm not saying being single is bad, but if you're avoiding marriage because of fear, 
is a problem. And we see this fear in people more and more. So they just skip the whole marriage thing. We're just living together now. They think it lowers the risk of hurt and it's safer. But it doesn't and it isn't, particularly for the women. So fear of divorce is a problem. There's also fear of conflict, fear of inadequacy, fear of inferiority, and a host of other ones. But we're going to keep moving here. And the next thing I want to talk about is our parents' divorce can also affect our view of God. Elizabeth Marquardt wrote a book called Between Two Worlds, and it's a really interesting book. But in it, she talks about the different way adult children of divorce hear the scriptures. For instance, the prodigal son. The story is the son goes off, the father waits, and then eventually the son comes back. But she found that adult children of divorce often hear it as the father or mother leaves, and we're waiting for them to come back. And I wrote a blog on when parents become prodigals. Because the other thing we experience often is when the divorce happens, one of them or both of them, they, they kind of throw biblical truth out the window and they do all sorts of stuff and it wreaks havoc with the kids. Sometimes we'll hear a pastor, you know, pastor team will teach Exodus 20 verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And we're secretly thinking, well, that's good for you. That's good for you. But honor my parents? Are you kidding? And if we think our situation is an exception to that rule, why would we think differently when the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Or what God has joined, let no man put asunder. Or with God, all things are possible. And, of course, spiritual warfare is feeding this. And what happens is our level of emotional pain exceeds our level of faith in God's abilities. Let me say that again. Our level of emotional pain exceeds our level of faith in God's abilities. Now, this is normal. Life happens. I mean, we see it in the Bible. I mean, an example is Moses. He's dealing with the Israelites, and they're all being a pain. He's dragging them through the desert, and they're complaining. And eventually, his, he just, his emotional pain just gets to a point that in Numbers eleven fifteen, he's talking to God. He says, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and just kill me. Now, I've had some bad days, but I've never asked God to kill me. And you're just, ugh, you don't want to go there. Now, the psalmist in Psalm 73 wrote, this is what the wicked are like. They're always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment. His level of, of emotional pain has exceeded his level of faith in God's abilities. You and me. You and me. They don't care about me. Marriage was never supposed to be like this. This is ridiculous. Now I see why my parents divorced. The level of emotional pain exceeds our level of faith in God's abilities. It happens, but we can't live there. Moses didn't. One minute Moses is saying, kill me. Later we read, show me your glory, Lord. I want to see your face. The psalmist didn't. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. 
They didn't live there. Adults with divorced parents are going to have struggles, but we need a safe environment to talk about it so we can get back in balance. And we haven't had it. I mean, for those of you from intact families, what if somebody in your small group, you're, you're meeting and somebody says, I'm not honoring my parents, that's crazy. Now, before you heard me, you probably barrage them with scriptures. You know, uh, it's a commandment. It's the only one with a promise. You know, don't you want to live long and prosper in the land? Well, hopefully now, if someone from a divorced home said that, you'd say, you know, my parents have been married forever. I, I can't even comprehend feeling that way. But would you be willing to share a little piece of your world? I'd really like to understand better so I can pray for you and pray for them. But if your friend opens up their heart and shares, you pray for them. No prayer lists, no Facebook, no Instagram, Facegram, Billy Graham, or any other grams. If we trust you, it is a huge deal for us. And that is the last thing we're going to talk about. People with divorced parents have a very tough time trusting people. We really make people earn our trust. See, before the divorce, we basically trusted our parents unconditionally. Most of us had no reason not to trust them. But with the divorce, we found that a lot of areas we used to have trust are challenged. For kids, there are a series of unbreakable rules. We trust that our parents, as a couple, will always be there. We trust that our needs will always be met. We trust that we, we will always be safe and secure. And after the divorce, well-meaning parents reinforce those rules when they say, of course, I'll see you all the time. The divorce won't affect my love for you. Oh, I'll be at the game. Oh, things won't change. But they do. And it's interesting that a lot of things that cause us to be angry also have a negative impact on our trust. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 25 and 26, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But for many of us, we did worry about these things. And we got angry inside that we couldn't have what we had before. After the divorce, having eat, drink, clothing, often seemed dependent on a timely child support check. So over time, you slowly start to believe that the only one you can trust, the only one who truly cares about you, is yourself. And in most cases, you don't come to a point where you declare, I don't trust anyone or anything, or I'm secretly afraid my girlfriend or boyfriend are going to leave me. It just happens over time. And because we live in a sin-filled world, our fears are constantly reinforced. Now, going through life not trusting people, I mean, that's problematic. It's deadly in relationships. I mean, when you go into a marriage not trusting your spouse. But the lack of trust is also a major problem because if we aren't careful, we stop trusting God. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. 
But if we think we can't trust the two people who are most important to us, our parents, who we can see, how can we trust a God who we can't see? And we're looking at divorce, again, from the kid's perspective, from the child's view, how can we trust a God who will let this happen? Now, adults will say, because, you know, God sees the big picture. And as adults, we can get, you know, a better understanding of some of the dynamics in our parents' divorce and all that. But we're dealing with four-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 12, 16-year-olds. As kids, we don't have the big picture. And the picture we do have doesn't make any sense. I've read this phrase a number of times. For adults, divorce is an end. For kids, divorce is the end. Totally different perspective. And if you're in a church as a child or an adult, I mean, not trusting God is particularly a problem. I mean, as a Christ follower, you must trust God, right? I mean, that's the rules. And some of you are probably thinking, well, Kent, you know, my parents are divorced, and I trust God just fine. Well, good. Be thankful. Because there are people you know, people sitting in here, and they've never told anybody. But they're thinking, yeah, Kent, trust God. That's easy for you to say. I hear Pastor Tim, and you talk about, you know, how God loves us and to trust him. Well, where was God when my parents divorced? Where was God when I failed two classes because I had to help my mom work so we could survive? Where was God when us girls would stay in the closet to get away from our parents screaming? Where was God when I had to watch my brothers and sisters while all my friends were out having fun? Where was God the day I was home from school and my mom's boyfriend came home early from work and he... Where was God when I had to leave my friends because we couldn't afford the house anymore? Where was God when I had to listen to my dad cry himself to sleep? Where was God when my own marriage ended up in divorce? I've gone through all this, and you're telling me I should just trust God and that he loves me? Yes, he loves you. But not because I say so but because of who God is and how he set things up. And we see this early in the Bible, in Genesis, in the story of Adam and Eve. God has told them not to eat of the tree of good and evil. In Genesis 3.1, we see, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was del a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve had a choice. Follow God's plan or follow their own plan. And they chose to follow their own plan. And all mankind has been dealing with the consequences ever since. 
our parents, likewise, had a choice. Follow God's plan or follow their own plan. And one or both of them chose to follow their own plan. And we've been dealing with the consequences ever since. And as we've seen, there are consequences. But it's not that God doesn't care about us, doesn't love us, or isn't worthy of our trust. It's about God giving our parents and us the freedom to choose. And the key starting right now is what choices we make with that freedom. One of the most important choices you can make is to take this information and apply it to your life. Don't be in denial like I was. You know, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm good. God brought you here today for a reason. So where do we go from here? First, we turn to our Lord. We go to Jesus Christ. If you don't, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and the forgiver of your sins, please speak to one of the pastors or myself after the service. It takes the power of God to break the chains of anger, fear, unforgiveness, and anxiety. It takes God's peace to constantly deal with divorced parents and step-parents and step-siblings and our own sisters and brothers. It takes the strength of God to honor our spouse the way he intends us to. Turn to God. He offers forgiveness, peace, grace, wisdom, and strength, not just to help us make it through all this, but to heal our hearts. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We have to trust that even though we don't have the big picture, God does. The second thing is go to the God's word, go to God's word and study the truth. A number of the issues I mentioned today are fear-based. The Bible tells us God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 56, verse 4 says, In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Whether it's fear, anger, unforgiveness, Feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness, fear of conflict, maybe it's father hunger. Identify the issue you're dealing with and bathe it in God's truth. The third thing is go to God's people. Talk to somebody. You know, I, I do this, you'd be amazed how many people with divorced parents have never spoken about it to anybody, even to their siblings. After the service, I'm going to be up here up front for anybody that wants to talk or just share and also, Kathy and a member of, the, uh, of my ministry, Kimberly Scott, will be at the table out in the foyer. So if you'd like to talk, talk. And, you know, maybe you don't have divorced parents, you know, but you're dating one or it's in your family tree or whatever. You know, Kathy's not a child of divorce, but she's great experience in dealing with one. Uh, and Kimberly's a great person to talk with, so I would encourage you to talk with somebody. Um, and also, lastly, go to good resources. If you're part of a step family, or you have ties to one, I strongly encourage you to look at the Smart Step Family materials. It is excellent material. It's biblical and applicational. Uh, it's by Ron Deal, who says that there's actually 62 different combinations of families. Which is, wow. Um, another good resource 
because it's called Choose a Better Path. Um, it's a book. It's very user-friendly, kind of a devotional format. Um, it takes people through the major issues of adult that ad adult divorce. Wow. It takes you through the major issues that adults with dis. <laughs> okay. Cut that out. Re-edit. No. It takes you through the issues that adults with divorced parents face. Woohoo! <laughs> Triggers, anger, grief, trust issues, unforgiveness, boundaries, and more. It's a great introduction for adults with divorced parents. And you know, one of the interesting things is we're finding divorced parents are loving the book, which was really kind of a surprise to me. Because what it's doing is it's creating a, kind, a common dialogue. God's using it to give them a dialogue to speak with their kids. And it's, it's really been powerful. Um, it's a really good book. It's been well-received. And even if I didn't write it, I would still say it was a good book, and I'd recommend it. The other thing is we have a lot of resources on the website, hopeforacd.com. Um, encourage you to go there for resources. Uh, we can't finish all this stuff today, so next week I'm going to speak again. We're going to talk about gray divorce, which is the fastest area growing, uh, people growing, the fastest area of divorce that's growing. People are waiting 25, 30, 35 years to divorce, thinking that, well, the kids are grown, it won't affect them. It does, and we're going to talk about that. The other issue we're going to talk about is father hunger, uh, which affects guys and gals. What happens when the guy, the father leaves? Um, just a powerful effect. I would encourage you to invite people to, people to come for that one because it particularly affects the ladies in a lot of negative ways. So that's uh, the resources that are available. Uh, let me pray for you.